0: What does it look like when you combine industrial design and mechanical engineering? How do you get out of design ruts and push forward to find the best solution for a product? I'm Julia, one of the team members here at Blur, and this is InFocus, an audio series highlighting different aspects of manufacturing. Our goal for this series is to help you prepare your medical device for manufacturing, avoid common development pitfalls, and provide tips to build a successful business for your product. To answer these questions, we sat down with Anthony, an industrial designer and mechanical
1: engineer at Blur.
0: Anthony, can you tell me about yourself? How did you come to work for Blur, and what do you do here?
1: I'm a mechanical engineer and industrial designer here at Blur. I work on both of those, so kind of designing the outside of the products as well as the internals uh, and any combination in between.
2: How many years of experience do you have in
1: both of those? Maybe. Three or four years of just purely industrial design. Then I went back for a mechanical engineering degree after that. And then my jobs have all been kind of combination of mechanical and industrial design. So uh, maybe 13 years doing both combined.
0: Wow, that's great. What would you say made you decide to go back to school? So you started as an industrial designer went to school for that. You said you had four years of experience doing just industrial design. What was that turning point for you that made you say, yeah, I think I want to go back to school for mechanical engineering?
1: I don't know if there was a turning point. I had considered it when I was in school the first time. I didn't want to give up on industrial design completely. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I like doing both. I just don't like to be kind of pigeonholed as just doing industrial design uh, or kind of styling stuff. So it it just made sense. Like, I've always been interested in the internals as well and the Mm -hmm. development of, an idea uh more than just kind of the the what it should be but also the 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 nuts and bolts of how to actually implement that idea
0: yeah not just making it look pretty but like does it work
1: yeah yeah and I mean that's it's an interesting thing that you say that because the industrial design can be a lot of things too it's not always just making it look pretty
2: Mm. that is kind of a cool thing to think about like uh industrial design everybody does think of you know creative the look the sleek um aspects of it but then yeah you're right there's the you know, is it ergonomically correct? Like how, you know, how easy is it to use?
1: Yeah. And I think that's a a big part of what we do here because it's a medical product. So it's not typically the the look of it is not typically the driver of the product itself. I mean, it's important. A lot Mm -hmm. of times you have to have something that is easily usable, uh, meets all the product spectrum requirements, Mm -hmm. may need to look like a medical device, or it may need to look like a well-planned product, or it needs to be easily usable without having an instruction booklet tell you how to use it. So right. um, all those are kind of variations on the look, just like how to design it so, so somebody can actually use it.
0: And I think that goes back to to something that we talked about in Dustin's interview. Um, he was saying that user needs really need to be the foundation of the product requirements. Everything needs to be, be traceable back to does the user it to do. Um, And that's the same for industrial design and mechanical design at the end of the day. Like if you're designing something that's not usable by the person who's supposed to use it, then like you need to start rethinking.
1: Absolutely. And uh, I mean, it's going to depend on what industry you're in for what you need industrial design for. I mean, there's there's industries that really just care about the way something looks where it's purely fashion. Then uh, some of them, you know, you may be more budget constraint on your product so you care more about how how cheaply this thing can be manufactured mm-hmm. um so it's it's that or it can be a combination of usability and typically it's it's all three of them or all you know all these various facets that come together and you kind of have to balance how much of this to, to go into it you know what's the trade-off between aesthetics and usability and cost of manufacture and everything else there
0: did getting a degree in mechanical engineering impact the way that you approach industrial design or change it in any way? It did change
1: it because previously I was able to hand off a design to a mechanical engineer. So, you know, I, I developed what I wanted it to look like and, you know, you do maybe the skins and the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do all that in CAD and then maybe hand it off to somebody else and did the the bosses and ribs and, Mm -hmm. you know, worried about all the mechanism type stuff. Um, Mm -hmm so I do have to be a little bit more cognizant of how I'm designing it to make myself, uh, make it so my pathway isn't a mess. I mean, I don't, I I know the balance. So I, I kind of fight with myself in doing it. Whereas previously that interaction was external between you and somebody else where you had to kind of give and take. So Mm -hmm. it's some of these products, it's, it's more of an internal argument with myself of, (laughs) of the give and take the priority of, uh, you know the mechanism versus what I want it to look like, and mm-hmm. it's a balancing act. And I don't always have the right answer for it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it may be easier to do that with somebody else, which is you know it's it's great being a part of a team where you can bounce these ideas of, off somebody else. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I have had to be a little bit more aware of uh, that next step that is kind of handing off.
2: Yeah,
0: that was great. Some misconceptions that you would say people have about either mechanical engineering or industrial design that you want to correct?
1: So people typically think of industrial design as just styling, mm-hmm. uh, but in school you learn a lot more than that. You learn kind of uh, competitive product analysis. You learn doing some of these ergonomic studies. Uh, obviously styling is a big component of that. And you learn a lot of manufacturing processes and, 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 other things as well and things that people may typically think of being more mechanical engineering. Mm. Uh, and so it's surprising a lot of times uh, what people do learn in mechanical engineering versus maybe industrial design. Mm. So my, I mean, every, every educational background was different. So, uh, you know, where I went to school, it was more, it was more like math based. It was more based on the underlying theory of what's going on with the system so fluid dynamics or heat transfer or you know mechanics whatever that may be so it wasn't really practical knowledge in terms of manufacturing stuff it was the equations that govern things underneath it all so you can maybe apply that to a real world world problem when you need it Mm. Um,
0: for your mechanical
1: engineering degree Mm. whereas industrial design I had a lot of classes and background on actual manufacturing type stuff so I learned uh thermoplastic processing I learned you know so uh, mold making and Mm. injection molding and then processes on sheet metal and die casting and Mm. a bunch of different you know different production types so uh, that's really come in handy uh just having that background yeah when you kind of get into this Niche of product development, people expect the mechanical engineers to have a lot of that knowledge from going to school. It's like, oh, you're a mechanical engineer. You must know about this stuff. Right. It's really theory based. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, you may come into a situation like this where you learn more practical knowledge about manufacturing something from industrial design than you did actually from engineering.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that either. I've always been interested from an industrial design perspective um how you handle clients when they really want something from like an aesthetic perspective that just really won't work or uh you know uh meet some requirement that they're looking at and how do you you know talk them through that and get them to where they need to be
1: and this kind of goes back to one of the differences between mechanical engineering and industrial design is the process i think so as far as mechanical engineering goes in school you learn about this kind of okay i'm looking for this answer uh, I go through this process, I end up with the answer and and that's what I need. Or industrial design is very much a different process. And you know, in school, I was like, why do I need to go through this whole process? I mean, I just, who cares about the process? The answer is the important part. Like, mm-hmm. I, why do I need to do all these derivative kind of uh, designs or something mm-hmm. like that? And all these iterations, uh, it's not super important. Mm-hmm. But uh, today I, I've realized the importance of that. So a lot of times these multiple iterations will be great for showing the trade-offs to a client. So Hmm. you can do exactly what they want and show them that, hey, you can do this, but it's going to cost you X. It's going to be way more expensive to develop. You know, it may look great, but you're going to have problems with these human interaction type components of it or something else like that. So you you can come up with these multiple different solutions to it and basically walk them through each one of them. You know, maybe i have a different idea of of what I think the solution should be, but present it back to them. And let them choose if, you know, they, they really do think this is the most important part. And that's great because they they typically know what is the important part of the solution. Like earlier in my career, I thought maybe I knew what was important, but I've come <laughs> to, to realize that the client knows more than I do about, you know, whatever they're doing, they're the expert in that. So mm-hmm. in terms of what they need for their solution, pose it back to them, make sure that they're they're making an educated kind of assessment of what goes into the solution and and then if they're still set on it, then, you know, that's, that's the right path to go.
2: Yeah. It's great. So we partner and partner with them and kind of help them get to the best solution for, for them. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: So in that iterative design process, how do you sort of let go of the designs you create and just be willing to let them go in the trash? Cause I feel like that's something that I would really struggle with.
1: And that, that was a problem when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'll remember this forever my my very first studio professor the very first project we had you know we we do these designs you post them up on the wall you do a critique of them or the professor would um, the students would kind of join in and talk about the 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 good things and the bad things about all these designs and I remember being absolutely like hurt the first time she did this there was like Mm -hmm. pitch crying in my studio just because you had never really had this honest assessment of what you had done. Mm -hmm. And I think she was particularly harsh, maybe compared to some of the other professors, but I think it was a really good lesson. And I uh, appreciate it much more now than I did then. There is some benefit on being hung up on what you think is a good solution. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, maybe your first or second idea is is a pretty good solution. You may want to give that more attention, but at the same time, you can't fall in love with them. Like there's probably a better solution On your fifth attempt or your seventh attempt or something Mm. like that, where if you fall in love with it and can't clear your mind of that and Mm. basically keep drawing the same thing or keep modeling up the same thing, the same solution, you're never going to move on to a different solution or or path or whatever it may be.
0: What do you do when you find yourself in that spot where you're like, I feel like there's more, but I can't get this idea out of my head?
1: That's that's a really tough question. And uh, I think that happens to everyone. Mm. Uh, what I've done is uh, I've looked for people that have uh, flashcards or these kind of uh, brainstorming processes and i've I've kind of pulled some together over the years of of doing this and mm-hmm. I have a list of things I can look at to kind of uh, spark a different you know idea where it's like make it smaller, make it bigger. can you split out the functionality? Can mm. you combine the functionality? Can you reuse a component? Can you do something recycled? Can you, you know all these different, things that you can do. Mm. And uh, I do have basically lists of all these prompts somewhere that I can refer to if I'm stuck or, you know, just want to think about it a different way.
0: Where do you draw inspiration from? And how would you, if you could describe your style, how would you describe it?
1: It's it's tougher these days. I do, I feel like I do more uh, mechanical engineering than I do Mm. industrial design. When I did more industrial design, I had just kind of a reference of pictures of, of things I appreciated. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be old stuff or new stuff, uh, um, there was a period of time where I really liked machined metal pieces. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of design that was based on the details that you would see from machined metal pieces. So, you know, you may see a chamfer or kind of these machined uh, holes for screw heads or things like that. And obviously you don't have to have that for uh, cast piece or uh, injection molded piece or something like that, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it still is an interesting aesthetic and I feel like sometimes if you use something like that, it looks maybe more powerful just because you're used to seeing it in this kind of reference of being uh, a metal mm-hmm. piece or something like that. So it goes back to the design thing where, you know, maybe you're not looking for the, the most beautiful thing, but there is some cri- some kind of criteria that you are trying to meet with your design itself so maybe you want it to look robust Mm. or well thought out or minimal or you know there's there's a bunch of different things that can cause somebody to buy a product or Mm. uh, interact with the product well so you know it may not be that you want it to be beautiful you just want it to be you know durable or you know whatever that word is that that makes a person think or, or realize that like there's more about this product than kind of uh, what meets the eye.
0: Mm -hmm. I noticed you start picking out adjectives. When you're thinking about a design, do you assign it an adjective and then say, I want it to meet this?
1: I have done that in the past. I don't typically Mm. do that now. I think typically it's, it's not a deliberate act to Mm. pick out an adjective. It's more of like, okay, uh, as I'm drawing it, I'm like, that that doesn't seem the right aesthetic. I want it to look smoother or or more Mm. curvy or more user-friendly. And for a lot of stuff we do here, I don't want it to look tough. I want it to, if if a person is interacting with this device, a lot Mm -hmm. of times, you know, you want it to look comfortable or you want it to look um, user-friendly. And a lot of those, they don't mean completely smooth, but, you you know, there's going to be some aspect of this thing needs to look like it's designed to fit in your hand Mm -hmm. and not just be straight or rigid or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So probably not an intentional uh, selection of, adjectives but yeah there's kind of a a flow there
2: what's been your favorite thing so far at blur that you've you've worked on or what challenge you've had to work through that you're excited about
1: there's one particular where we did kind of the medical device aspect of it so there's just a bunch of components to it we did packaging we did um, you know we started on the software internally and uh, things like that. I mean, I can do software. I don't know I <laughs> that. But,
0: uh, yeah, me either.
1: <laughs> it was it was nice being able to kind of design all these components that mm. go together. Whereas you know sometimes we may just do the hardware or you know the 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 hard good or something like that, and mm. there may be other aspects of the system that integrate with that that you don't get to control. But mm. this time it was all those pieces kind of came together and we did them in house and. I feel like where we arrived with that was a really nice integrated solution where everything mm, kind of
0: looked like it went together. It looks
1: like it went together. Mm-hmm. It, it fits together nicely. It's it's just the right, you know. Uh, you know, I just want to <laughs> say, that. <laughs> great.
0: Yeah, that was a very. I I will say I know the project he's talking about. It's very satisfying being able to say like we really took our time to make sure that the the needs of the user were being met in every aspect of it, not just the device portion.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know I, I was talking about the design process. Um, you develop iteratively. You make progress by making prototypes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you don't settle on your first solution. You kind of hold it as a truth as a designer because that's mm-hmm. what's ingrained in you in school. Like, And I, I think that's that's something that we're pretty good about here. I think just as a company, we we make sure that we, we roll through the prototypes and, you know, you learn by kind of failing in, in these prototypes. And, yeah. You improve, and you just iteratively improve.
0: Yeah, it it is very much part of our culture. Fail fast. We want to fail fast because failure isn't a bad thing. It's where you learn. And so, if you can translate that word failure into learning, then you can take those learnings and move it into whatever the next solution is. And it's just this snowball effect until you arrive at what your final solution is actually going to be.
1: And it's a lot easier now. You know, when I first started off, it was you had to send your part off to you know some prototype house. And then you know, a few days later, you get back this SLA part or SLS part or something like that. Mm. And, uh, you know, you, you pay a bunch of money for it and uh, you just kind of hope that it's right. But but now everyone has 3D printers in-house and we have mm. the, uh, the FDM, we have the SLA printers. Um, it's just so easy to come up with a concept, print it out, test it out the next day. Have it in your hand and and yeah. iterate off of that because you know that was that was a problem when I was first starting out is you you didn't have that access to getting this thing printed off immediately and trying it out yeah you basically had to kind of plan to have this thing work right you you do your best shot at it you hope everything is good then you you send away for it get it back and you didn't have that many cycles of the iterative process mm. uh, so that is a really great part about having you know all these printers on hand and. Maybe the process has improved just because of the technology.
2: Mm-hmm. You can fill fast. You can feel the same day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and there's been times where I've done that, you, you know, especially with the small part is you throw it on the printer in the morning. It takes a couple hours of print. You clean it off, put it in your assembly, do whatever you need to do with it. You make changes to your, you know, your part, mm-hmm. recycle it. And you're, you're going again by, you know, the next morning because you're, you're printing it overnight. So you can, you know, do multiple rounds a day too. So it's, it's really useful.
2: Yeah, it has been nice to hear because, I mean, like, if we have a long lead on something, for the most part, we can find a short-term solution in-house.
1: Mm-hmm. It's expected that there will be some iteration, and you mm-hmm. know, your first solution is not going to be the perfect one, and uh, it, it just takes time. Uh, yeah. You know, we want to go as fast as possible, but that doesn't mean settling on the first solution or expecting that first solution to be the right one, uh, Cause it's probably the wrong one if you go down that path, pick the first solution, settle on it, uh, do all your engineering, all, do everything else around that first solution. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes, that's involved in in kind of product development. So it takes a lot of time. So if you pick that first solution and do, you know, you make sure all your drafts, right. Make sure your boss is right. Make sure all your screws and inserts and everything else fit. And everything works in the assembly, mm-hmm. packaging, everything else takes a long time. And then uh, if you, you know, come back to it uh, a couple months later and like, uh, this doesn't do everything that we needed for it to do. I mean, the users aren't really happy with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to redo all that work. So, um, you know, on the front end, really kind of doing the iteration and that that process is where it really pays off because then you don't get too far down the line where you have a massive amount of work to kind of redo at the end and no one's happy when you do that. Like if you, you run with the idea early on, you know, maybe you look great for a little while, but mm-hmm. when you have to backtrack it, it, no one's happy about that.
0: Yeah. Clients never
1: happy. No, <laughs> never are happy about that.
0: What's some advice you would give someone who's just starting off in mechanical engineering or industrial design?
1: Uh, I mean, it really depends on what you want to do as far as mechanical engineering goes. I mean, that's such a broad topic. Uh, mm-hmm. For product development, it's it's maybe just teardowns if you're naturally inquisitive about how something works. The more solutions you see, uh, the better you're going to be at it. You, you know, if you're trying to work in a vacuum without ever having to see these solutions before,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, everything's going to have to be created from scratch, which is really difficult. I mean, it's difficult to do once. You don't want to do that for everything you're designing. So. Right. Product teardowns from mechanical engineers. The other one is just application guides. I mean, everyone wants you to use their product, so make sure to look for these application guides. Injection molding, metal casting, everything under the sun basically has it. Uh, so make good use of them. I have a library of, you know, hundreds of these application guides um, oh, wow. on these different processes or materials or things like that. Where, you know, it's easier to to just refer back to that that file that I have at some point instead of having to scour the internet to find. Hopefully what I need the next time. Right. Industrial design, I mean, never stop looking at inspiration. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's always changing. I feel like you can typically identify an industrial designer by the work that they do. There's kind of a style to it. And I don't know if I'll ever grow out of the style that I have. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think it changes over the course of years just because it's like music. You get bored a little bit with one thing. Mm um so it it kind of migrates away and you find something else interesting and yeah you you kind of pull those accents into your work maybe you're i I don't know how to describe it but like there's Mm. there's definitely visual styles and you're like okay this is interesting maybe i can kind of combine that into what i do or you know so not working in a vacuum Mm. uh, in terms of references is a i mean they, they teach you that in school but it's just making sure you you do that in your kind of work life too yeah
0: Thanks so much for listening in today. This is In Focus, signing out.